Welcome to the latest episode of the Super Awkward Funcast with me, your hostess, L. Latham. Ignore the background. I have a lot to talk about. There's a lot of news uh, today. Well, not a lot. There's enough. We're not going to go all over everything that's happening. I have some topics I want to discuss. Um, from this month, January 2024, new year, new podcast payment. <laughs> oh, fun fact. Um, I was just checking my podcast stuff on the website, the Podbean, before. And I thought, oh, I said update the card. Well, I guess I have to do that because, well, I had to update my email because it didn't exist anymore for my payments. And then when I was trying to update the email, I was like, okay, update your card too. And I was like, I didn't want to do that, but you're not giving me a choice, so let me do it. And then I did it. And now I'm out 94 plus dollars, because apparently I make money on this shit. It was news to me. It's probably news to you, but I had a balance of one something. What was it? I can get the actual balance of 158. Which means they pay me at some point for something. I don't remember. But it's usually $96 a year is what I'm trying to say. And it was supposed to be by February. So that was unfortunate. And I also made a purchase today. Just with, you know, everything going on. Like, it's just one thing after another. It, it really, when it rains, it does pour. It really does. Because I made a purchase of a seat changed to a more comfortable area on a flight that I have coming up in a couple of months, less than a couple of months. And that ended up costing me $52.75. See, I'm just an open book, aren't I? I just tell you what I'm paying. (laughs) I don't care. Um, And I could edit this. I'm not gonna. Anyway. Um, Yeah, so basically, I'm a human being. (laughs) I'm not a robot. This is not an AI radio station. This is not an AI podcast. I'm sure that's coming. Oh, it's coming. It's already here. I'll get into that later. And I'm also trying to figure out the logistics of when I go on that flight. That flight, by the way, I'm not being cagey. Like, that flight is going to be to Europe. I've never been to Europe. So I have a European vacation, which I'm really excited and also nervous about because I'm spending a lot of money on it. And yes, it's money that I earned by getting hit by a car, but still is a lot of money. (laughs) And the most I've ever spent in one thing, on one thing, ever. So it's a lot for me to, like, do that. Because I am poor. Alright, government, I'm poor. (laughs) Another thing I like about being on Podbean, so I'll give some praise to Podbean. I don't have to worry about copyright. (laughs) So I can play whatever I want to play for you guys and comment on it. Fair use, fair use, fair use. Ain't nobody claiming anything. So I do like that. Although, shout out to, I can't believe I'm doing this, but Disney. Because 
they were really cool towards the end of my series. By the way, check out my series. I'm just uh, in so many different directions. I apologize. But check out my series on YouTube. I'll link it, I guess, if I remember to, for the super awkward fun reviews of the X-Files. It's like a companion show to this show where you can like see visuals, which is fun, and hear like clips that I get to play. But the beginning of it is very, like, I'm trying to find my, what it is. So you gotta give me some credit, I mean, not credit, you gotta give me some leeway there because I really took a while to really edit it the way I really wanted to edit it and to get it the way I wanted it to be. But once you get into like season four, it really starts to pick itself up and, and looks a little cleaner and sounds a little bit better towards the end. like. My audio is way better because I got this beautiful mic that I'm using. Shout out to Shure. But, um, yeah, basically, um, that's up. It's done. So we finished that this month. I finished uploading everything. I hope that those breaks weren't too painful for anyone. Or if you cared. <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed doing that series and I really need people to see it and to I would like to have your appreciation for it because it was a very difficult for, thing for me to achieve by myself again no editors no I'm the editor baby I edit everything I make everything me 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 ever since uh for for a long time I've been like doing this alone and then I get the guests if I get them <laughs> and then they come on and it's through like my booking skills so there's no co-host anymore eventually maybe at some point I'll try to get someone if I ever meet anyone again <laughs> it's not looking good uh it's really hard to meet people in LA nowadays and to not look like a weirdo we said something else I said something else we didn't say anything I said something else about something else but I forgot what the something else was that I said Something to do with the flight. Yeah, the flight. Okay, so the flight is to Europe. I've never been to Europe. I will figure out when when I will record. I don't know about March. I would imagine that I would have to record an early episode for you guys. And post it before I leave or after I leave. But you will get it before the end of the month in March and before the end of the month in April. So it won't be like too crazy to get that done. I'll just have to record early. So anything that happens at the end of the month that I miss, guys, just give me a break. So just be prepared for that. This month, a lot happened. So the Epstein, 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 <laughs> the Epstein list was supposed to be revealed. Oh my gosh. Yes. Except that's not really what it was. And I went over this a little bit on Twitter or what have you. People are closing doors everywhere. I hope you can't hear it. People all over Twitter and all over everybody, everywhere else was were like, so like, oh my gosh, the Epstein list, the Epstein list. And it got a lot of people in a tizzy, which was really the whole point of it. And the media like started to cover everything and then just decided the next week, oh, that's done. Let's move on to this and that and the other. But here are the names basically that happened. And this was... In the context of a case that happened, or um, a defamation suit that happened 
where Gil and Maxwell, if you listened to the last episode, you, you would have heard me do a bad Gil and Maxwell impression <laughs> for like 18 minutes or something. This independent article is from January 22nd, 2024, written by Alex Ross and Yo Dodds, Io Dodds. Okay, this says the Epstein list, full list of names revealed in unsealed court rock records so far. And then it'll give you like the lowdown on what this is from, the 2015 case, blah, blah, second tranche, tranche, whatever, of documents released on Thursday evening did not shed much light, new light on the case, and included many of the names previously made public because this was never going to be a big reveal, by the guy, by the way, guys. Uh, for, which I talked about on Twitter and stuff. Further documents unsealed on Friday are currently being reviewed by the Independent. Being named in these documents does not indicate any wrongdoing related to Epstein or anyone else. Exactly. There are people mentioned. Like, even... Okay, I'll get to that. Okay. The list includes many of his accusers and alleged victims, as well as people with only a tangential connections to Epstein who were pulled into the lawsuit against Max Maxwell. Prince Andrew appears prominently, as usual, with the documents mentioning a previously reported accusation that he groped Joanna Schoberg, which he denies. Former U.S. Presidents Bill Clinton and Donald Trump are also named, with neither accused of wrongdoing. Judges, court staff, and legal representatives are not included. Alright, first we got Gillen, obviously. We know her. She was convicted of the conspiracy with no one else she just conspired by herself donald trump hillary clinton she was mentioned i remember that david copperfield i haven't seen his name yet but also doug band was mentioned i don't think he's mentioned later in the oh no he is okay well we'll get to doug band i guess because they have the, him later on um, David Copperfield was mentioned, but people need entertainment. That's another thing you have to understand from this case. Like you get a lot of more information about how the operation went on and how it was covered up in this, in the files. Cause I, I, I read a lot of the, oh, so many depositions and so many records. I went, I sifted right through this shit for a good couple of weeks or so. I was like, trying to get as much information as I could. And I just wanted to make sure I was privy to everything. And I don't rely on the media to tell me what's going on. So I made sure I saw all the names myself. John Connolly, a New York police detective turned investigative journalist who investigated Epstein. Alan Dershowitz, we know he's involved. He was accused by... Oh, this is from Jeffrey uh, or... Um, Virginia Jeffrey. This is all based on that case. Leo DiCaprio mentioned again. Also connected to, actually connected to the 1MDB scandal, which I'll never stop talking about, even though the media stopped a long time ago. That was the whole thing that was money laundering with Joe Lowe, who was still on the run, amazingly. And last time I checked, he was in China, but I don't think he's in China anymore. And this was all about Malaysia, this Malaysian prime minister. <laughs> that reminds me of that movie, Zoolander. 
the Prime Minister of Malaysia is presented as a good figure in that film. Um, but this one is not so good, and he's very greedy. And he has a fund from the public that ends up being used by his stepson. This is, this is going to be a crazy movie when they make it. Um, read Billion Dollar Whale if you haven't yet. Who ends up making a company, Red Granite, pictures or whatever and just out of nowhere because martin scorsese can't get funding for his big ass movie with crazy shit in it about wall street about the wolf of wall street jordan jordan what is his name again jordan belford played by leo dicaprio longtime collaborator he goes to red granite and they say, yeah, we'll make that movie. A hundred million? No problem. And he doesn't think anything of it. And he makes the movie. Just the way he wanted to. No problems. Until later. And I just thought it was the most hilarious and crazy thing in the world. That the movie about money laundering. About just taking people. You know. Taking advantage of people. And doing this whole scheme that Jordan Belford and his friends did ended up being a money laundering operation itself and the subject of a huge scandal that involved not only them, but Goldman Sachs, a prime minister again, and even Obama's involved, um, there's a lot of tangential people who were uh, around Joe Lowe or received funds or tried to get funds through that that uh that fund the uh 1MDB but yeah and also the FBI <laughs> was involved and 13 different countries I believe yeah crazy shit oh also um the Obama thing it was to re-elect Obama or something. I'm not really sure exactly what that was. I think that's what it was. It was a fund to re-elect him, or re-elect him, and some of the funds were from the shady money laundering stuff. Anyway, back to this. Sorry, I had to go on a tangent because every time I see his name, I think of One MDB and The Wolf of Wall Street, which I liked. The funny thing about it is I liked that movie at the time. But when I found out about the money laundering, I can't look at it the same way. Well, I can look at it in a different way. <laughs> as what it is. But it just opened up my eyes, really. To the ridiculousness of this whole world. Anyway, Al Gore's there. Richard Branson. Stephen Hawking. See, people were making all kinds of stink about Stephen Hawking in here. We had not heard, I hadn't heard him mentioned. Maybe he was, and I just don't remember it. But that was the first time I heard his name, and I was like, there's no way. I mean, I think people are capable of many things. And disabled people can be think, could be capable of many things. But that dude, if anything, and this has been mentioned by other people, so it's not new or revelatory. That dude would be raped. He would not be the raper. The rapist. He can't rape anybody is all I'm saying. Like, I don't think he raped anyone. Call me crazy. 
I just don't think he could possibly have done that physically. I don't know what his mental capacity is for that sort of thing, but I'm pretty sure he couldn't achieve it. So I just moved on with my life when I heard that. I was like, okay, well maybe he got like felt up or something. But he didn't have any control over himself, so he's not the rapist in that situation. So what am I to say about that? And I mean, it's just a, it's easy to say like he could be coerced in whatever way. Like there's no rape case that you can make. There's just no rape case you can make with that guy. That's all. I'm probably not the only person who thinks that. Other than the other person that I saw talking about it. Anyway, Ehud Barak, former Israeli Prime Minister. He's also in the Black Book, which doesn't look good. Michael Jackson. I think I heard about him before this. Mentioned, but I didn't know exactly if there was any connection. But yeah, he was mentioned. Um... As coming to the house, you know. Nothing crazy. Again, you could come to the house. You don't have to participate in the activities. And I don't think he would. Not because I think he was gay or a pedo. But I have a feeling that he wasn't that into sex. But I don't know enough about him like that. But that's the feeling I got from the audio that I listened to that was taped without his knowledge at the time. From a dude who was jealous of him and his wife. That dude's wife. And then it turned out they were besties and he looked like an idiot. But I never got any vibe that he was that into women. Well, not women. I shouldn't say that. He was not into men or women from what I could hear from the conversation that was going on. This was all, like, on YouTube. I don't even know if that's on YouTube anymore, but I listened to that a long time ago. And I got a lot more information about Michael Jackson, more than I ever thought I'd get. And then he, I think he even had, like, a really yearning for Diana uh, Ross, and he was very upset. And then he was also upset about losing Brooke Shields. But she was also involved. Ooh, she was hanging out with Adnan Khashoggi back in the day. So, like... Crazy shit going on there, too. I don't know, but nothing really stood out to me as abnormal about him. But this was him as a young star. So, you know, it's possible in his elder age he could have gone really cray-cray. I mean, because his face wasn't great, but... I think some of that, according to this, this audio, is like maybe something to do with Joe Jackson, his dad, because his dad beat him and always told him, according to him, he was saying that his nose was ugly or something. And so that kind of got in his head and everything. Anyway, fascinating stuff. Dead now. Who cares if he's in the thing? I'm worried about the alive people who are still out there. And then that brings us to Marvin Minsky, artificial intelligence pioneer in this article he's, he's uh, described as. That guy. I don't know if all the scientists are doing shit. I just don't know. I don't think so. I think he needed, he needed a cover. He had this organization. Jeffrey Epstein had his own foundation. Jeffrey Epstein VI Foundation from the Virgin Islands. 
and he was also involved with Harvard and research. And remember, he also wanted to make, like, a master race or some shit, like, with his DNA. He was a weird fucking dude. So he could use these guys, like, the only thing is, like, Bill Gates, like, when he was mentioned, like, he had known him since the 90s and shit, so... That's not quite the same. And even if he didn't know him in the 90s, he knew him right after he was convicted of trafficking of a minor. So, or whatever it was, prostitution, whatever sweetheart deal he got. But he was hanging out with him afterwards. You think you'd do a background check before you took people's money, funneled it to an organization like Harvard? Not Harvard, MIT, and also, you know, hung out with him and got photographed. You think you'd do some research first. But this was the same guy, Bill Gates, who hired a guy from Microsoft who ended up having child sex material, child sex abuse material on his computer. So, I don't know, man. Not the greatest judgment of character from this non scientist. <laughs> Who acts like a scientist? Okay, Kevin Spacey's mentioned. Not only was he in the book, also he was friendly with Gillen, and they're literally on at the Buckingham Palace, like on the fucking throne. Like I can't. That whole family, throw them away. I I just don't know. Yes, he was found not guilty of sexual assault in 2023, but that's one of many cases. I don't care. George Lucas, you know, entertainment again. I, I don't know what he's up to. I've never seen him in any other logs or whatever, so I don't know. Jean-Luc Brunel, who is unfortunately dead, but it wasn't a suicide. Kate Blanchett, that's a surprising one. Because what? <laughs> it was so out of nowhere. Out of out of nowhere. When you saw her name, you're like, okay. Wow, they were really hanging out with everyone. So like when they did that part, oh my gosh, the Golden Globes with Ricky. Oh, let's get to that part. I'm gonna play it. I didn't think I was gonna play it, but I'm gonna play it. Let's play that monologue. Also, shout out to the Golden Globes being a dumpster fire. All right, here I found the part. Here it goes. But tonight isn't just about the people in front of the camera. In this room are some of the most important TV and film executives in the world. People from every background, but they all have one thing in common. They're all terrified of Ronan Farrow. He's coming for you. He's coming for you. Look, talking of all you perverts, it was a big year. It was a big year for paedophile movies. Um, surviving R. Kelly, leaving Neverland, Two popes. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. I don't care. I don't care. Many talented people of colour were snubbed in major categories. Um, unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about that. The Hollywood foreign press are all very, very racist. So, fifth time. So, we were going to do an in memoriam this year, but when I saw the list of people that had died, it wasn't diverse enough. It just, no. It was mostly white people. And I thought, nah, not on my watch. No. Maybe next year. Let's, 
Let's see what happens. No one cares about movies anymore. No one goes to cinema. No one really watches network TV. Everyone's watching Netflix. This show should just be me coming out going, well done, Netflix, you win everything. Good night. But no, no, we've got to drag it out for three hours. You could binge watch the entire first season of Afterlife instead of watching this show. That, that's a show about a man who wants to kill himself because his wife dies of cancer. And it's still more fun than this, okay? <laughs> Spoiler alert, um, season two is on the way. So in the end, he obviously didn't kill himself. Just like Jeffrey Epstein. Shut up. I know he's your friend, but I don't care. You had to make your own way here and your own plane, didn't you? Right. But seriously, most films are awful. Lazy. So that was the part where it was like, right after he said that, it cut to um, reaction shots of the celebrities and stuff, and one of them was Kate Blanchett. So I just immediately thought of that when I saw that part. I mean, when I saw that her name was there. Okay, Naomi Campbell. We already know about her. She's just a jerk. Heidi Klum. Didn't know about that one. I don't remember reading about her. But I guess with the models and everything, it kind of makes sense. Sharon Churcher, British journalist. She was um, mentioned as interviewing Jufra. Uh, Virginia. Bruce Willis mentioned here. Bianca Jagger, activist and wife of the frontman Mick Jagger, who has his own issues. Bill Richardson, who I think is dead now. Cameron Diaz. Glenn Dubin, mentioned several times, is definitely allegedly friends with Epstein, along with Eva Anderson Dubin, his wife. Who once dated him. Noam Chomsky. That motherfucker. Tom Pritzker. The Pritzker family is mentioned. Or Tom Pritzker is mentioned. And that things makes you think about the Pritzker family. And their big legacy as well. Uh, Chris Tucker. I kind of feel bad for him. Because he ain't anywhere else. He's just in the flight log for that one thing. With Kevin Spacey. Who was very famous. And Bill Clinton. For the AIDS thing. At the CGI, Clinton Global thing. And I just don't think he is in the same category as some of these people. Because I haven't heard him say a thing about it, which is probably very smart. And I've never heard of him having any accusations against him. Maybe I haven't heard anything. You can let me know. But I've never heard anything about him. So there's nothing about him that would make me think he's on like the level as Kevin Spacey is. Um, Sarah Ferguson, Fergie, Duchess of York. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was mentioned, which was interesting. Um, another legacy guy from the Kennedys, of course. James Michael Ostrich. Doesn't say anything more than that. I don't even know who that is, but okay. Juan and Maria Alisi. So that's husband and wife working at Epstein's home. There's a lot of staff uh, depositions in here as well. Janice Benaziak served as P Palm Beach house manager for Epstein. Bella Klein, or Klein, documents differ, a former accountant in Epstein's New York office. He had many offices. Leslie, or Leslie Groff, spelled wrong. 
Yeah, I've seen both spellings. L-I-E and L-E-Y. Epstein's former secretary, who was named as a co-conspirator in his 2008 plea deal, but reportedly will not be charged. Because we just don't care. Victoria, Victoria Bean, Rebecca Boylan, Dana Burns, Ron Eppinger, sex trafficker, Daniel Estes, Annie Farmer, who accused him of a sexual assault, Maria Farmer, her sister, who also accused him of a sexual assault, Anuska de Georgia, a model who accused Epstein of rape, Louis Free, former director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, Fredrik Fakai, celebrity hairstylist, Alexandra Fakai, son of celebrity hairstylist, Jojo Fontanella, Epstein's butler, Doug Band, as I said before, Bill Clinton aide, who says he urged Mr. Clinton to cut, cut ties with Epstein, Virginia, of course, who is the, the one in the case, Lynn Miller, her mother, Crystal Figueroa, sister of Anthony Figueroa, who dated Virginia Jiffert in the late, in the early 2000s, Tony Figueroa, her former boyfriend, or Anthony, sorry, but they call him Tony a lot. Eric Ganny, don't know who that is. Meg Garvin, who represented Virginia Jufra. Sheridan Gibson Butte. Ross Gow, Maxwell's press agent. Fred Graff, Robert Jufra. Philip Gudurun, don't know who that is. Alexandra Hall. Joanna Harrison, Sharon Harrison, Victoria Hazel, Brittany Henderson, Brett, Jaffe, Forrest Jones, Sarah Kellen, who is Epstein's former assistant named as an unindicted co-conspirator in his 2008 plea deal, Adriana Ross, his former assistant named as an unindicted co-conspirator in his 2008 plea deal. Will they ever have to talk in a deposition? No. <laughs> Carol Kess, Dr. Stephen Olson. They did, by the way. They didn't say anything. They just pled the fifth. I don't know. I don't remember if Adriana did. I think she did. I think they both pled the fifth. There was a lot of... Nope. <laughs> Not gonna say anything. Stephen Kaufman, Wendy Lee, author, Peter Listerman, Tom Lyons, Nadia Marchenkova, Alleged friend of Epstein's, named as an unindicted co-conspirator in his 2008 plea deal. Bob Meister, Jamie Melanson, Donald Morrell, David Nolan, David Knorr, Joe Pagano, May Paluga, Stanley Pottinger, Detective Joe Riccari, former Palm Beach police officer who investigated reports of sexual abuse against children by Epstein. And you can see his reports and everything in the documents. Chief Michael Ryder, responsible for investigation of sexual abuse against children by Epstein. Rinaldo and Deborah Rizzo, husband and wife who worked for Epstein's alleged friend Glenn Dubin. Sky Roberts, Kimberly Roberts, Lynn Roberts, Haley Robson, known as team recruiter for Epstein and police documents. Dave Rogers, the pri private jet pilot for, for Epstein. Alfredo Rodriguez, the dead butler at his Florida home, who sold the um, black book. Scott Rothenson, Forrest Sawyer, Doe, that's your name, Duff, Doe, 
Duff makes more sense. I'm gonna go with Duff. Duff, Schoedel, investigator. Joanna Schoberg claimed she was sexually abused while underage by Epstein. Also claimed Prince Andrew touched her breast. Cecilia Stein, Marianne Strong, Mark Tafoya, Emmy Taylor, Maxwell's ex-personal assistant, Brent Tyndall, Kevin Thompson, Ed Tuttle, Les Wexner, again, founder of L Brands and a former business partner of Epstein. Not just that, but his only effing client. Abigail Wexner, wife of Lex Wexner, Christenda Valdez, Emma Va Van, uh, Anthony Valadares, Christina Venero, licensed massage therapist, Maritza Vasquez, Vicky Ward, investigative journalist and author who claims she was blocked from covering Epstein's misdeeds while working at Vanity Fair, Jared Weisfeld, Sharon White, Courtney Wilde, who was an accuser, I know that, Daniel Wilson, Mark Zeff, New York decorator, Kelly Spam, unknown person listed as flying on Epstein's private jet, that's how I know that name, Alexandra Dixon, unknown person listed in his little black book, Alfredo Rodriguez, the former household manager, jailed in 2012 for, hi trying and for hiding and trying to sell his black book. Didn't we already say his name? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I saw it, said his name before. That's weird. I don't know why they brought that up again, but that's the same dude. <laughs> there aren't two of them. Ricardo Ligaretta, Mexican designer, listed as a passenger on Chris, Chris on Epstein's private jet. Dr. Chris Donahue, physician who treated Virginia Jufer, included on a list of all her previous medical providers. Requested by Maxwell's defense team, Dr. Wawa, physician who treated Virginia Jufra, Judith Lightfoot, psychologist who treated her, Dr. Karen Kudakoff, same, um, Dr. Carol Hayek, psychiatrist, Dr. John Harris, physician, Dr. Darshani Majaliana, physician who treated her, Dr. John Harris, again, another one? What is wrong with them? <laughs> Pretty sure that's a repeat, but anyway. Dr. Mona Devonsian, Devon Sean, whatever. Um, physician who treated her, Dr. Scott Robert Geiger, physician who treated her, Dr. Michelle Streeter, physician who treated her, and Donna Oliver, physician assistant who treated her. And so, I don't know, they fucked up a little bit of that, but that's the list. And I'm going to read you another article from CBS News. Jeffrey Epstein contact names revealed in unsealed documents. Here are key takeaways from the files. Oh, okay. There's a video component. What do they come down to? Their conclusion is... Okay, so here's a little more of the background of the case. In the filing, Maxwell's team attempts to debunk an article by journalist Sharon Churcher of the Daily Mail, who described a dinner on Epstein's Little St. James Island, allegedly attended by Clinton shortly after he left office. Maxwell's team claims former FBI director Louis Free submitted a report wherein he concluded that President Clinton did not, in fact, travel to, nor was he pre present on Little St. James Island between January 1st, 2001 and January 1st, 2003. 
and goes on to say Secret Service assigned to the former president would have been required to file travel logs. Also named in the documents is Sarah Kellen, a former Epstein employee who has been accused by one adult victim of, of knowingly scheduling her flights and appointments with the financier, M. Maxwell. Her spokesperson had said in a 2020 statement to CBS News that Kellen scheduled those appointments at the direction of Epstein and Maxwell and was herself sexually and psychologically abused by Epstein for years. The statement noted, Kellen deeply regrets what she had any part in, but not that she had any part in it. Not enough to actually give answers in a deposition. Like, what are you hiding? That's all I have to say. This is on January 9th, 2024, this article, by the way. And it's written by Kara Tobachnik, Allison Elise Gurevich, whatever your last name is. Anyways, that's a little bit of that. What happened in the case? When they want to. Okay. Among the documents released Thursday is a 2016 deposition from Joseph Bercari a former detective with the Palm Beach Police Department who led the investigation into allegations against Epstein of sex abuse and trafficking that culminated in the 2008 plea deal. In the deposition, he states that he interviewed around 30 girls who were either asked to or gave massages at Epstein's home. He said, the young women told them told him they were offered money to recruit more girls. The 18-page re released deposition has large gaps where pages were not included. Yep, it does. Lots of redactions. Oh, and about Michael Jackson, it says that uh, in the deposition from Schoberg, uh, from Janu released January 3rd, she asked, she's asked if she met anyone famous when she was with Epstein. She says she met... Michael Jackson at Epstein's house in Palm Beach. She, she said she did not give him a massage. Like I said, he ain't into that. And did not accuse him of any wrongdoing. And then about Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Elise testified in his witness deposition released January 5th that he saw Robert F. Kennedy Jr. at the house but did not specify when the independent presidential candidate who is not accused of wrongdoing has previously said that he traveled twice on the plane with his family. So at least he was, you know... The names that we got, by the way, I forgot to mention, the names that you get from this is because they have given permission to release those names, to have their name unsealed. So if they didn't do that, then they look a little more guilty than if they did. I've spent oh so much time on this topic, so let's move on straight to the topic of the day. Which is not even mentioned anymore in the news, so we'll kind of breeze by it. But it is the topic that I want as my title because we cannot forget, we must not forget what an a, nuis a nuisance the WEF is, the World Economic Forum. World Economic Forum held their annual meeting in January from January 9th, I believe, yes, to January 19th. That can't be correct. 14th to 19th. The pre-annual media briefing was on the 9th. Um, so it's on this page. So basically, let's just do like a rundown of what happened. Like, I'm going to focus on the things that were most, like, interesting to me. Technology in a turbulent world. 
which has good old Sam Altman, Mark Benioff, Julie Sweet, Fareed Sakaria hosting, and Albert Borla. And the description of this discussion is, as technology becomes increasingly intertwined in our daily lives and important for driving development and prosperity, questions of safety, human interaction, and trust become critical to addressing both benefits and risks. How can technology amplify our humanity? It can't, but anyway. Uh, basically, like the main thrust of this meeting was that we're focusing on rebuilding trust. And there's too much disinformation and we're not, we're not producing it, so we don't like it. All right, so Jeremy is from the UK. He's speaking for the UK. I'm trying to remember where he is. He doesn't say much, so it's easy to find where he says something interesting. Because it's not very often. Julie Sweet is an insane person. She's from Accenture. They are a partner with the WEF. Oh, here he comes. Here he comes to save the day. Not really. Mr. Chancellor, you're a politician. Um, the issue that Sam raised about trust, that, that Mark Benioff raised about trust, does seem central. How do you get people to trust AI? Should they trust AI? No. And should government regulate AI so that it is trustworthy? I think we need to be light touch um, because this is at such an emerging stage. You can you can kill the the golden goose before it has a chance to grow. Um, I remember the first time I went on ChatGPT, um, I said, "Is Jeremy Hunt a good chancellor of the Exchequer?" Oh no! Uh, and the answer came back: Jeremy Hunt is not chancellor of the Exchequer. So I said. Yes, he is. Um, and uh, is he a good one? And the reply came back, I'm sorry we haven't lived up to your expectations, but Jeremy Hunt is not Chancellor of the Exchequer. So there's a kind of certainty about uh, the responses you get, which uh, is often not justified. But I think, look, we can all do tremendously well out of AI. Um, the UK is already doing well. London is uh, the second largest hub for AI after San Francisco. and. The UK has just become the world's third largest tech economy, trillion dollar tech economy after the United States and China. But um, as a politician, I look at the big problems that we face. For example, when we have the next pandemic, we don't want to have to wait a year before we get the vaccine. And if AI can shrink the time it takes to get that vaccine to, to a month, then that is a massive step forward for humanity. At the moment in the UK, and I think most of the developed world uh, voters are very angry about their levels of tax. If AI can transform the way our public services are delivered and lead to more productive public services with lower tax levels, that is a very big win. But I think we have to allow the technology to grow. We have to have our eyes open to the guardrails that we're going to need. Um, the UK also plays a very big role in global security. We need to be sure, as I was saying to Sam earlier this morning, that a, a rogue actor isn't going to be able to use AI to build nuclear weapons. So we need to have... Yeah, that's our job, right? ...of our eyes open, which is why the 
AI Safety Summit that Rishi Sunak organized at the end of last year was so important. But we need to do it in a light-touch way because we've just got to be a bit humble. There's so much that we don't know, and we need to understand the potential where this is going to lead us at a stage where no one really can answer that question. So, yeah, he just, like, said the next pandemic. They keep saying that every fucking time. It's like a broken record. Then they had, like, this interesting one about the Middle East. So I, I went there and got a clip for you on that one. That's at 43. All right, let me turn that down. Let me scooch this. This brutal, unprecedented attack. On, oh, on shut the fuck up. Um, so this one, to preface this, it's... Uh, da -da -da. I guess I'll go to 42. Anticipating the Middle East in 2024. And I heard a little interesting stuff there. And I thought you should hear it too. Oh, to preface this, okay. So I don't recognize anyone in the thing. But I guess I'll look at the program and see what it was. Uh, I'll have to look it up. Let me search sessions. Anticipating. Give me something. Thank you. I, I pride myself in getting information. That's okay. I don't need the video. I'm just looking for the speakers. Who is the speakers? One of them is a real fucking Zionist. More so than the rest. Uh, there is some interesting dialogue in it. But mainly, like, this is what it comes down to. Tighten the title, which was unnecessary to the points he was making, and many of us made that point at the time. He didn't listen. But the one-state solution could go the other way. Let's think about that. I, I met with Muammar Gaddafi. I'm sorry to tell all my war stories, but I was there in his tent in Sirte in the early 2000s, and he gave me a book, which I can't find. If I could find it, I could make a, a fortune on eBay, but I can't find it. The name of his book was Isratine. His argument was the land mass of Israel is way too small for two states, and therefore we should have a democracy, small d, there. And certainly at the time, the Arab birth rate was much higher. With the, with the Orthodox Jews, the Israeli birth rate is getting higher. But let's imagine uh, that the state of Israel is wiped out. Now, for me, uh, just personally, given my own family history, I think that's a horror to imagine. What I want to imagine is two states living side by side in security and peace. And I do think we can get there, and I urge the Biden administration to move faster and put pressure on Bibi now. Uh, uh, in, and if, it, if, the, if the coalition dissolves, oh dear. Uh, but I think, I think the right course for Israel the right course for Israel is to embrace a two-state solution. So let's, we've spoken a lot about Bibi and Netanyahu, but there is the other... Um, <laughs> the two-state solution. There is no solution that involves one apartheid... St I, that's just not going to happen. The side of this, the pathway to a Palestinian state is going to come with strong leadership in um, out of Palestine. This Are is interesting. Someone who could play that role. How? Who? 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 How do we get to a point where Hamas is not the uh, party you need to negotiate with? 
first you don't uh, you you finish you end the situation where you have a a president who is in his I don't know 18th year of four year term. Okay, I'm speaking about President Abbas, uh, and the biggest mistake the Biden administration did in its in its first year when it comes to uh, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is the fact that it allowed Abbas to postpone the elections once again. Uh, there is a massive political change needs to happen on, on the Palestinian side that it needs to go through elections. You have five million Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza that did not choose their leadership for years. So how would we, like, how would we expect any change if, if people cannot, uh, people are so disenfranchised and, and have no ability to determine their own leadership? I want to bring you in here. Who, who can take the Palestinians uh, in terms of leadership? What, where, who do we see coming up? I think in the short to medium term, it's a total stalemate. And, uh, and the two-state solution is not on the horizon. So we will continue to see a breakdown of uh, conflict resolution in the region. And, um, and that will uh, postpone uh, the enlargement of the Abraham Accords. That will put pressure on the uh, GCC countries to expand relations with Israel. So um, as I said, um, <clears throat> I think that does not interfere with economic growth of GCC. Uh, that's going to um, uh, thrive. Uh, but on the Palestinian-Israeli issue, I think uh, uh, in the foreseeable future, we have a stalemate. Okay, I'm going to... Okay, so that's basically the point. It was like, they're just saying right there that it's fucking... Regime change. There, I found it. <laughs> it's regime change. They want to change the regime. Who do you think should be in charge of this country that we have nothing to do with, usually? Uh, okay. Um, then I have this part from the Global Economic Outlook from 10 days ago. I'm not even telling you when it is before, but um, this is from 10 days ago. 14 minutes in or so. I don't remember who's in this one. Let me see if I can find that. Tharman. Shemagarathnam, President of Singapore. He looks really trustworthy. Office of the President of Singapore. Nozi, Nogozi, whatever. Okonjo Iwela, Director General of World Trade Organization. Mohammed Al Jadan, Minister of Finance, Ministry of Finance of Saudi Arabia. Francine Lacroix, Editor at Large and Presenter of Bloomberg Television who is doing the Q&A thing. Da David M. Rubenstein, co-founder co and co-chairman of the Carlyle Group, which is connected to Epstein. That's funny. Um, then Christine Lagarde, the president of the European Central Bank. Love them. And this is Christian Lindner, federal minister of finance, federal ministry of finance of Germany. All right, back to it. My bad. We are witnessing a new That's normal, him. and 2023 marks this new normal. Um, think about the ways of artificial intelligence we all uh, have uh, discussing uh, here in Davos. Uh, think about the geopolitical tension and the threat of fragmentation. We will have to deal with 
over the uh, next uh, years. Uh, the uh, higher debt levels after the pandemic and the energy price hikes, which um, has shrunk our fiscal space uh, to finance um, transformation. And um, uh, given the um, very little growth perspective of the uh, global economy, we have to answer the question how we will be able in the future to finance transition uh, by the uh, private capital markets and how to fight poverty around the world. So for me, it's not normalization. It is a new normal uh, which we have to be uh, prepared for. And has 2023 given me hope, you asked? I would put it this way. It was a call for action because we have to rearrange some policies and probably we see a new need for structural reforms. Probably we are at the beginning of an era of new structural reforms. Okay, so there's like new normal economy, like it's very much great reset kind of language to me. Um, and then also like how they enter, they intertwine the AI stuff with the economic stuff, like how that's gonna all work out. Uh, in other news, cause more than the web happened, wait, I should say that I watched a few of other of these, like the NATO ones, like the ones that were connected to foreign policy, domestic stuff, but like big issues. And I heard one time someone mention Trump and was scared to say that they would be president again, that he'd be president again, but looked at the future as if he was the president. And there was a lot of that kind of feeling from the people, who, the attendees and the speakers that we can't just accept, we can't just expect for Biden to be president again. They seem to be okay with the idea or they have accepted that it's possible that he won't be president again. So there is some of that going on there. I don't know how much of it is there, but th it seems like people are kind of making that a possibility. And with the media and everything and what they're doing with Trump all over the place and, you know, covering his cases and stuff, like they're helping to kind of put him up too and make people fall for that shenanigans again. Cause you gotta have somebody they gotta vote for someone. It has to be the same shit sandwich we always vote for, or between. And this time we have old shit sandwiches who have, that have been outside for about 20 days. And they're still shit, and now they smell even worse. And they could possibly kill us. So, yeah, good luck with all of that in the new selection, is all I have to say. No one, 2024, let's move on, uh, to someone who played Trump. So there's a segue. <laughs> Alec Baldwin was indicted in a manslaughter charge in the Rust shooting. This is from Gene Madius. Madaus? Madaus? Okay. From Variety. This is from January 19th, 2024. So here's the news with Alec, if you were wondering, because we have covered him in, in the past. 
Alec Baldwin has been indicted on charges of involuntary manslaughter as prosecutors once again seek to hold the actor accountable for the onset death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins. He was initially charged in the case in, two, in January 2023, but the charges were dropped three months later after his defense team raised questions about whether his Colt 45 was functioning properly when it fired. Hutchins was preparing to film a scene with Baldwin at a ranch near Santa Fe, New Mexico in October 2021 when the gun went off. Just all of a sudden, just went off. I don't know how that happened. Baldwin has maintained that he did not pull the trigger. If convicted, he faces up to 18 months in prison. We look forward to our day in court, his attorneys Luke Nikas and Alex Spiro said in a statement on Friday. The rare uh, Greek attorneys. Two special prosecutors, Carrie Morrissey and Jason Lewis, sent the gun for further forensic testing last summer. Their experts, Lucian and Michael Hogg, reconstructed the gun, which had been broken during FBI testing, which is a little confusing. Like, what happened there? Could we have a little more information on that? No, we can't. And concluded that it could only have been fired by a pull of the trigger. Well, what do you know? This fatal incident was the consequence of the hammer being manually retracted to its re fully rearward, rearward, that's hard to say, and cocked position uh, followed at some point by the pull or rearward Depression of the trigger. The report concluded, although Alec Baldwin repeatedly denies pulling the trigger given the test findings and observations reported here, the trigger had to be pulled or depressed sufficiently to release the fully cocked or retracted hammer of the evidence revolver. Morrissey and Lewis said in October that they intended to take the case to a grand jury within two months, stating that additional facts had come to light that pointed toward Baldwin's culpability. At the time, Nika said the decision was unfortunate. It is unfortunate that a terrible tragedy has been turned into this misguided prosecution. We will answer any charges in court, he said. The film's armorer, remember her, Hannah Gutierrez Reed, Nepo Baby, is set to go on trial for, on February 21st on charges of involuntary manslaughter and tampering with evidence. She had mistakenly loaded a live bullet into his gun, which was supposed to contain only dummies. It remains unclear how live rounds became mixed in with dummy rounds on the set. Hutchins' widower, Matthew Hutchins, filed a wrongful death lawsuit shortly after the shooting, but reached a settlement in October 2022. The settlement provided for insurance funds and a portion of the film's profits to benefit the couple's son, who was nine years old when his mother was killed. The film has since been completed with additional filming in Montana and is waiting, awaiting distribution. Well, let me go buy it right now. At the time of the settlement, Matthew Hutchins indicated he did not blame Baldwin for the shooting. I have no interest in engaging in recriminations or attribution of blame to the producers or Mr. Baldwin in parentheses. He said, all of us believe Helena's death was a terrible accident. I am grateful that the producers and the entertainment community have come together to pay tribute to Helena's final work. A few months later, however, when Baldwin was first charged with manslaughter, his attorney said the ch charges were warranted. We support the charges, will fully cooperate with this prosecution, and fervently hope the justice system works to protect the public and hold accountable those who break the law, said the attorney 
Brian Panish in a statement at the time. The initial prosecutors, Carrie Carmack, Altwies, and Andrea Reeb, held Baldwin responsible not only for pulling the trigger, but also for a series of management lapses that led to relaxed safety standards on set. More, moreover, however, the, the New Mexico Division of the Occupational Safety and Health Administration concluded that Baldwin, though he was a producer on the film, was not in a position of management authority and was not culpable for the lack of oversight. First assistant director, just like a fucking sentence in this article, David Halls pleaded no contest last March to a misdemeanor gun charge. He was given six months of unsupervised probation. Well, that's lucky. In COVID news, <laughs> genetic sequence of coronavirus was submitted to U.S. database two weeks before China's official disclosure. <laughs> Documents show. Local 8 News Fox. <laughs> but this is originally CNN news source. January 18, 2024. By Catherine Dillinger, CNN. The genetic sequence of SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, was submitted to a National Institutes of Health database two weeks before its release by the Chinese government, according to documents that were shared with U.S. lawmakers and released Wednesday. The sequence doesn't indicate the origin of the coronavirus. How inconvenient. Inconvenient. But undermines the Chinese government's claims about its knowledge of the information one expert told CNN and could have cost critical weeks in the development of a vaccine against the virus. So this is a framing of it as, oh my gosh, China's lying again. Fuck China. And also, what about the vaccine? We can have better vaccines. <laughs> oh, fuck me. So people were getting um, up in arms about this on Twitter. And then once you read the article, you see the way it's framed and everything. You're like, this isn't really one that we should be talking about. And heralding as big news. According to a letter that Dr. Melanie Egorin, Assistant Secretary of Legislation at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, sent to the House Energy and Commerce Committee Chair Kathy McMorris Rogers last month on December 28, 2019, virologist Dr. Lily Wren of the Institute of Pathogen Biology at the Chinese Academy of Medical Sciences and Peking Union. Medical College submitted the genetic sequence to GenBank, a genetic sequence repository that collects, preserves, and provides public access to assembled and annotated nuclear, nuclear, nucleotide sequence data from all domains of life. GenBank is managed by the National Center for Biotechnology Information, part of the U.S. National Institutes of Health. Wren's submission was incomplete and lacked the necessary information required for publication. The letter says she was sent a resubmission request three days later, but NIH never received the additional information requested. The submission was removed from a processing queue on January 16, 2020, and the sequence was never made publicly available on GenBank. However, a different submission of the genetic sequence that was nearly identical to Wren's was published on GenBank on January 12th, they said, one day after the World Health Organization said it had received the sequence from China. McMorris Rogers, R. Washington, Republican Subcommittee on Health Chair, Brett, Brett Guthrie, R. Tucky, R. Kentucky, 
And Subcommittee on Oversight and Investigations Chair Morgan Griffith, R. Virginia, said in a news release Wednesday that the committee's investigation into the origins of COVID-19 will help policymakers strengthen the nation's biosafety practices in addition to helping prepare for the next pandemic. There it is. The words we've been waiting for. They really want that next pandemic, don't they? Sheesh. They probably said it a million times before COVID and we just weren't paying attention, but I'm paying attention now. I'll tell you that much. All right. So that's Corona news, (laughs) but in news about AI, going back to AI and going to the issue that I've been, that I brought up a lot before, which is the ability to bring people from the, from death who are dead back to life in many ways, or trying to present something as if it's alive and that sort of thing. There was a lawsuit filed according to Variety again. This is by J. Kim Murphy on January 25th, 2024. So a few days ago, George Carlin estate files lawsuit against group behind AI generated stand-up special, a casual theft of a great American artist's work, they say. So they filed a lawsuit against Dudesy, the media company behind the recent viral AI-generated hour-long comedy special, George Carlin, I'm Glad I'm Dead, which, yes, I listened to and watched. And it's a nightmare because it's got, like, AI-generated imagery and it's annoying. And some of the shit that that they say makes no sense. Like, they, they use the term people of color unironically, which I don't think he ever would say. But again, we don't know because he's dead and all. So <laughs> they try to mimic his voice and it doesn't go too well. I mean, the cadence is there, but there's no life, obviously, because it's AI. Anyway, it featured an approximation of his voice and comedic style that was allegedly generated by a chatbot trained by Carlin's own material. And see, they don't even know that much because the creators of this thing are very tight-lipped about what it is, this dudesy thing. Filed in California federal court on Thursday, the plaintiff is seeking a court order for an immediate removal of the special. Didn't happen when I read this because I watched it right after. Plus an unspecified amount in damages. The lawsuit alleges that the company infringed on copyright by using Carlin's materials to train the chatbot without seeking permission or licensing. At the start of the special, which remains unavailable to watch on YouTube at this time, an approximation of Carlin's voice is heard, stating that it listened to all of his material and did my best to imitate his voice, cadence, and attitude, as well as the subject matter I think would have interested him today. The suit alleges that by doing so, the chatbot created unauthorized copies of his copyrighted work. The plaintiff also alleges that the content hurts the late comedian's reputation and takes issue with a recreation of his voice being used to promote the video, calling the special a casual theft of a great American artist's work. Dudesy Podcast hosts Will Sasso and... I didn't say it wrong, I was just being silly. Will Sasso, I know him from Mad TV days, and chat... Chad Coltgen, I don't like that guy as much, are named as defendants, along with 20 John Doe's, five creators associated with the AI program and 15 individuals tied to the creation, production, and sponsorship of the special. Then we have a quote by um, Kelly Carlin, but I'm not going to read all of that. 
The case represents one of the first major instances of a performer or their estate seeking legal action against the creators of an AI-generated recreation, a growing concern across the entertainment industry. Oh, this is fun. AI may be the most important technology invented in generations and therefore requires a great amount of control and restraint to ensure that it is not misused. Attorney Josh Schiller of Boys Schiller Flexner said in a statement. I don't know who this is, but okay. This case is not just about AI, it's about the humans that use AI to violate the law, infringe on intellectual property rights, and flout common decency. Anyway... Oh, shit. So the the video is not available anymore. Or it's private. I, It says private. It says it's private. And then I have the reaction video. So we have a little bit of what they said when they were watching it and reacting to the, the comments about the special uh, before the lawsuit was filed. From at jrobusto6407 via YouTube. It reads... The craziest part is that there's still people here that don't believe this is AI generated and all these are human made. LOL, yeah. Writers are so selfless that they don't care if they're credited or known. Let's believe that instead. An interesting comment. Um, clearly, Dudesy made this. But anyone could have made it with technology that is readily available to every person on planet Earth right now. If you wanted to make something like this, <clears throat> this is what you would do. You would, you would start by going and watching all of George Carlin's specials, listening to all of his albums, watching all of his interviews, any piece of material that George Carlin has ever made, you would ingest that. You would take meticulous notes, probably putting them in a Google spreadsheet so that you could keep track of all the subjects he liked to talk about, what his attitudes about those subjects were, the uh, relevance of them in all of his stand-up specials. You would. By the way, this is the dude who who is Chat Colchin, <coughs> who is the co- Defendant, <coughs> excuse me. It's been a long show. Um, this is from AI Carlin Explained Doozy with Will Sasso and Chad Colt Gen episode 88, 13 days ago. So this is one of the creators. Like this is the dude who likes the technology more. If you re watch the whole video, you'll get an idea that Will Sasso is just kind of along for the ride. And it's sad that he's like being kind of... But, you know, you are who you associate with. If you do something together, you know, you do something together. But he doesn't agree with the whole AI-generated bullshit. And he'll say so, but... Say so. Sasso said so. Um, but anyway, this is the, the Chad guy who's talking here. Which is probably not going to help his case. That he says that anyone could do this. This doesn't require talent or anything special to create this that's kind of the point is that it's just like something that anyone can do it's just it's not artistic that's kind of the problem but here we go you would then take all of his stand-up specials and do an average word count to see just how long they are you would then take all that information and write a brand new special hitting that average word count you would then take that script and upload it into any number of ai voice generators you would then uh, get yourself a subscription to Midjourney or ChatGPT to make all the images in that video, and then you would string them together into a long timeline, output that video, put it on YouTube. I'm telling you, anyone could have made this. I could have made this. Sure. <laughs> Anybody. <laughs> yeah, just do that. Just do that, yeah. anyone. All right. I don't know. 
Our next comment is from at Real El Maximo via Instagram. It reads, I hope the enormous and well-deserved backlash over this doesn't endanger this year's hostess, Ding Dong Eat-a-thon. <laughs> is that gonna, I hope it doesn't get in the way. I hope that, yeah, the uh, people in their comments and their strong reactions don't do something to derail the, the hostess, Ding yeah. Dong Eat-a-thon. Now the hostess, Ding Dong Eat-a-thon has created a partnership with AI George Carlin special oh. I'm glad I'm dead for the hostess ding dong AI George Carlin ding dong Edithon and internet comment George Carlin darling of the week oh my God. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know how about this one from at RR Horrocks via Instagram who writes if AI impersonation is scary or evil or wrong how do you feel about a person using a voice or wearing a mask? Is that equally evil or wrong? If not, then your argument is flawed and your perspective is skewed. And you should analyze that about yourself. If SNL, Mad TV, etc. impersonating everybody under the sun is fine, but this is over the line, I think you're just scared of technology. It's not a moral stand. It's technophobia. 100% agree. I don't know. I sort of... That's nice, but I sort of... Yeah, again, I, I agree. I think that... Um, yeah, but the thing that's different about this is that it's AI. The I know, that's technophobia, out. like the guy's saying. That's the only difference. Yeah, but he's but he's using as an example things like, you know, sketch shows, right? Where it's like, yeah, those are people doing Here, those Jason, things. I'll, I'll use it's an, just not... Let me, let me use another example yeah. on you. Uh, Andy Warhol famously made his Marilyn Monroe silkscreen like a week after she died or something. Um, it was a portrait of her, and I mean, he didn't make it specifically. He had somebody else make it. It was his concept, but he put no labor into that art that his name is on and is super famous. But it was a portrait of her. I think now, this what has happened with this Carlin thing? The AI is the paintbrush, and that special is a portrait of Carlin. It's not saying this is George Carlin. In fact, at the beginning of it, dudes even says this is not George Carlin. Mm -hmm. It is uh, a tribute. You can like it or not that's a subjective choice but that is what this piece of art is it, okay. it's not meant to replace him it's meant to be a just in the same way that impressions you do or tributes to the people you're doing the the impressions of it's the exact same thing in my mind i uh i gotta tell you george carlin mm -hmm. new york born and bred yeah uh is someone who uh, through whom uh, experiences we have gotten to enjoy an incredible there's no I can't say enough about what this man has done sure. uh, with his career and what he did to comedy yeah. it's like a piece of New York pizza mm -hmm. you know he's George Carlin is the perfect piece of New York pizza a pizza <laughs> okay yeah okay but what, and what I mean by that is you know you get the, the thin crust of New York pizza yeah right it's all crispy on the bottom of the dough, you know, and then the, ooh, the top of the dough that's hitting the, the sauce and with the, where the sauce meets the dough, and it's all gooey and fucking cheese and whatever toppings, right? Delicious. In my truck right now, I got a bag of sunflower seeds. They're pizza flavored, okay? Right. So they're not, and I like them. Yeah. I was driving down the 405 with the fucking wind in my face because I didn't have a cup yeah. to spit them in, just sure. spitting them out the window the other day. And uh, it, it, it's not pizza. It's not pizza. Yeah. It gives you that. It's that same powdered flavoring they put on. Have you ever had pizza potato chips? Never have. Oh man, you're missing out. Look, all the fake pizza flavors. I'll enjoy them sure. all day long until I've had so much fucking salt. 
that I just can't even get off the couch, and my head looks like a fucking volleyball. I love salty snacks. What was my point again? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm lost in this. I think you were making pizza versus sunflower seed analogy. I was making a very intelligent <laughs> analogy yeah. about George Carlin is the, the perfect whatever, what have you. And, and the, the, the yeah. sunflower seeds are an intentional facsimile. I believe that George Carlin is the pizza. Pizza. AI George Carlin, I'm glad Dude's I'm dead. Sunflower seeds. It's, it's pizza sunflower seeds. In seat. that analogy, you're eating them both, pal. <laughs> so I think you've proven the point. Thank you. I proved my fucking point. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck you're talking about. <laughs> and finally, I want to read what George Carlin's daughter Kelly had to say on X. She wrote, My statement regarding the AI generated George Carlin's special. My dad spent a lifetime perfecting his craft from his very human life, brain, and imagination. No machine will ever replace his genius. These AI-generated products are clever attempts at trying to recreate a mind that will never exist again. Let's let the artist's work speak for itself. Humans are so afraid of the void that we can't let what has fallen into it stay there. Here's an idea. How about we give some actual living human comedians a listen to? But if you want to listen to the genuine George Carlin, he has 14 specials that you can find anywhere. She's absolutely right. Yeah, couldn't agree with her more. What Except do you mean you couldn't void. agree with her more? If you couldn't agree with her more, then what the fuck are you saying? She's saying that it will never replace George Carlin or, or human uh, stand-ups. I'm agreeing with that. That's what I'm, I'm saying. saying. Pizza and sunflower seeds. It exists side by side. AI is a different art form than humans doing stand-up comedy or anything else. It's a different thing. It's not trying to replace anything. Uh, the only point I would make is I don't quite agree that the void exists anymore. Because I think if you make data, it will outlive you. <sighs> well, but no, I agree with her. And uh, in terms of like watching real stand-ups, you know, human stand-ups, and especially George Carlin, it's what I did immediately after I watched this thing. I, I think, couldn't help myself. You know, and and I, and so did I. Like I said, I watched a, one of his specials and just was brought back to. You know, we had a couple of the albums when I was a kid, and I love George Carlin. He's He's in my. I mean, he's the he's he's the goat. He's George Carlin, but he's also in my top three. I love I love the man, and I love yeah. his uh, his art work. And art is human to human. And if nothing else, I I, I believe you know she makes a, a a wonderful point. Hopefully, any uh, attention that this has gotten at the end of the day yeah. makes people and young people go, I want to watch some George Absolutely. Carlin. And if people are watching George Carlin, the real. George Carlin, then you know the world would sure. be a better place because we do need him. We need him, and we got of him. Of course, he's out there, and the shit that he says can be applied to the stuff nowadays. Which is sure. why and how our good pal D put it all together, whipped mm -hmm. it up, and said, "Here's what he'd say about mass shootings. Here's what he'd say yep. about uh, this, that, and the other but thing." I, I will say this on top of this too. As okay, I'm kind of sick of hearing him, but because <laughs> I already heard this again, I heard this before. But yeah, basically. That's a really long clip. I apologize if you were tuning out or whatever. But it comes down to human versus AI. Humans are more important than AI. Because humans create AI. So it's really that simple. Chicken before the egg, like, AI did not exist before humans. They exist because of humans. Humans are very flawed individuals. And... Uh, a lot of them are very shady and will do the wrong thing in many instances, and that's why AI can't be trusted. That's my opinion. What is it worth?
to you. I don't know. But moving on. There's other news. So there's Elon Musk news, because he just can't stay out of the news for one minute. Uh, and it's not good news. So let's leave on that. What's Elon up to? Let's find out. You probably already know, but just in case you don't. Okay. I guess we'll go to New York. Sorry. We'll go to uh, NBC New York. 11 minutes ago. Breaking news. Elon Musk says, and when he says something, you know it's true, right? But we'll see. Um, Elon Musk says his startup Neuralink has implanted a device in its first human. Musk said the first product from the brain science startup is called telepathy and will let people control their phone just by thinking. And if you like this dude, I do not know why. I will never know why. But to each their own. I don't get it, but whatever. The, who wrote it, though? It doesn't say who wrote it until... No, it doesn't say who wrote this. That's weird. Oh, it's on NBCNews.com. Okay, I'll go there. I want to credit the person. Okay. Tech news. David Ingram, January 29th, 2024, 5.49 p.m. So it says, Tech billionaire Elon Musk said Monday that his brain science startup company Neuralink had implanted a device in a human for the first time, a possible step forward, a possible step toward a product that he said would allow people to control almost any external device by just by thinking. And what, why wouldn't you want to do that? And what problems could arise from that? And what issues will be a part of that? And what kind of wrong think will be involved in that application? Musk made the announcement on X. He said the patient whom he did not identify, because they're not real, no, I'm just kidding, received an implant Sunday and is recovering well. The initial results, he said, he added, showed promising neuron spike detection. He gave no other details about the procedure, the patient, or the device the company implanted. And I responded, fucking psycho, how many are you planning to kill? Because he's killed a bunch of monkeys and sheep and stuff in the lead up to this. So I'm just wondering how many humans he's planning on killing. Scientists for decades have worked on similar ideas for brain-computer interfaces that, if successful, could one day assist people who are physically disabled, change how people communicate, or more. There was no immediate independent confirmation of Neuralink's progress. One of Neuralink's competitors, oh, they'll know, Precision Neuroscience implanted its device in a human for the first time last year. Well, congratulations. Something to be proud of. Musk's announcement comes eight months after Neuralink said it had received approval from the, from the FDA, who approves anything now, to conduct its first in-human in in human <laughs> clinical study. In September, Neuralink said it would begin recruiting patients for the study. And now they got one. Yay. And his actual tweet says, The first human received an implant from Neuralink yesterday and is recovering well. Initial results show promising neuron spike detection. And then I responded, How many are you going to kill? 
And then Neuralink, which is based in San Francisco, did not immediately respond to a request for more information. The FDA, which regulates medical devices and would need to approve any consumer product, did not immediately respond to a request for comment on Musk's announcement. Neuralink has said it was building a brain implant called the Link to help patients, including those with severe paralysis, use external technologies. Musk said Monday that Neuralink's first product would be called Telepathy. He did not say whether it was a new device or a new name for the previously announced device. Neuralink has faced accusations in recent years that it mistreated some of the monkeys it used in its experiments. Hence my comment. The Agriculture Department said last year after an investigation that it did not find any violations of animal research rules other than a self-reported 2019 incident in which a Neuralink surgeon used an unapproved sealant to close holes drilled into a monkey's skull. Reuters reported. If they did that to a fucking human, come on. The outrage would be immense. The telepathy product would allow people to control their phones or computers, transhumanism, and through those devices, almost any other device with thought only, Musk said. Initial users will be those who have lost the use of their limbs, he wrote on X. Imagine if Stephen Hawking, back to him, (laughs) didn't even try that, could communicate faster than a speed typist or auctioneer. That is the goal. Musk co-founded... Neuralink in 2016, adding it to a roster of other companies he leads, including Tesla and SpaceX. He bought X, formerly known as Twitter, in 2022. Neuralink is backed by more than 30 investors, including PayPal co-founder and Bilderberger, Peter Thiel's Founders Fund, according to TechCrunch. Musk said in 2022 that he plans to get one of the Neuralink's Neuralink implants himself. Yeah, sure. Sure he does. We'll see. We'll see if that happen. That will totally happen. So yeah, basically that's where we're at in our society, in our dystopian universe. And I'm going to go eat a snack (laughs) and edit the shit out of this. But you won't know it because I'm so good at it. Yay. (laughs) But thanks for listening. I hope that sums up January for you. I didn't say anything about the Houthi thing. And the US-UK strike thing, I do know it happened. There's just so much to cover. It's impossible to cover the whole military-industrial complex. But I try my best. And if you want to know more of my thoughts, go to Twitter slash X to my L. Latham account. I'm the only L. Latham on there. I got it before anyone else. Lucky me. Be really mindful of what's going on and the psyops that are going on. And these presidential candidates don't give a fuck about you, just like Carlin said back in the day. Let's listen to him. We're going to end on Carlin. Real life Carlin. Because we can't find the fake Carlin anyway. And who would want to? Because I already heard it and it's trash. Let's go to George Carlin. We're going to let him sum up everything and end the episode. It feels only right to do so. Live well, love well. Don't let the man get you down. Make your own path. All that good stuff. Watch my shows. Stay tuned for new live streams coming up where I go over other things, I guess. Maybe we could do Ukraine again. And if they give a supplement, they get a supplemental package together. Oh, I wanted to do some stuff with press briefing shit too, but I didn't get around to it. Anyway, George Carlin.
Let's go. And the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. And now they're coming for your social security money. They want your fucking retirement money. They want it back so they can give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street. And you know something? They'll get it. They'll get it all from you sooner or later because they own this fucking place. It's a big club and you ain't in it. You and I are not in the big club. By the way, it's the same big club they use to beat you over the head with all day long when they tell you what to believe. All day long, beating you over the head in their media, telling you what to believe, what to think, and what to buy. The table is tilted, folks. The game is rigged, and nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. Good, honest, hard-working people, white collar, blue collar, doesn't matter what color shirt you have on. Good, honest, hard-working people continue. These are people of modest means. Continue to elect these rich cocksuckers who don't give a fuck about them. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about you at all. At all. At all. Yeah. You know? And nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. That's what the owners count on. The fact that Americans will probably remain willfully ignorant of the big red, white, and blue dick that's being jammed up their assholes every day. Because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it.